1: Five. The Star Heels are going to win the national championship. Weber front towards Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. they timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on
0: Franklin Street.
1: Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. it's over.
0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're here with you guys tonight. We've got a lot to discuss here. Um, Carolina has expressed interest in two players via the transfer portal um, as the off-season and this roster overhaul is well underway. Of course, earlier this week, Justin McCoy, Tyler Nickel. They announced their decisions to transfer out of the program, um, but we also got to get into really just more more fallout from Carolina not going to the NIT. Not only do you have players' parents speaking out about this, you've got current players speaking out about this as well. Dontre Styles went on a a radio program in in um, in Kingston, North Carolina and address the decision to not play in the NIT. So we're going to dive into that. But before we do, we start every edition of the pod, as we always do, with our pod thought of the day, which is brought to you by DraftKings. And we go to legendary women's basketball coach, Pat Summit. of course, she built the Tennessee program into what it was during its heyday. Um and has has done a, a lot of great work, both for the women's game and just for the overall game of basketball. And her quote goes as follows. You can't always be the most talented person in the room, but you can be the most competitive. And I really picked that quote because I think it applies to the current team and maybe the guys that we're going to talk about here a little bit later, it, the guys that Carolina is targeting via the portal. Something I've really, I've really talked about, really with this core. So, two years of Coach Davis, and of course the last year of Coach Williams was a competitive character. Something that at times didn't exist, and it was something. It was something at times was admitted publicly, which was an even more bizarre thing to to have to listen to, and. You know, I don't think it was as big an issue this year at times as it was um, the last two years. But with with the decision to not play in the NIT, whether it's a player's decision or a coach's decision, I do think shows there's a lack of competitive fire to still go out there. And, you know, it doesn't salvage the season. It doesn't make amends for the season. But... You know, there's on, – on both sides, there seemed to be a, an unwillingness to compete to a certain degree. And if I'm going to be quite frank with you, that uh, that's inexcusable here. That shouldn't exist here, both from the roster standpoint and from the coaching staff standpoint. Now, I do think that this team, this program made the right decision by not going into the NIT. Because I think they knew that these players had checked out and were going to check out if they didn't hear their names called on Selection Sunday. Evidence of that is how many guys have seemingly already left Chapel Hill for the week trying to figure out, you know, what they're going to do with their next their next step in life as opposed to staying close to the program and and, and trying to, you know, start this process right away. So with that, let's dive in, man. To the, the comments Dontre Styles made on the Byron Hank Show, a local radio programming in Kingston, where uh, Dontre Styles, of course, hailed from. It's one of the big reasons why, you know, a lot of Tar Heel fans have been frustrated by his lack of playing time because Carolina's gone there before and gotten legitimate NBA talent, and they don't want to see this guy leave via the transfer portal which those comments those that was also kind of brought up in this this interview as well but we'll start with the nit comments and here's what don styles had to say about the decision to to not play in the nit was it a team vote not to go to the nit was it the coach's decision not to go to the nit how did that work out yeah it was the, uh, the coach's decision okay Okay, uh, let me ask you, and if if I'm overstepping here, Tres, say uh, Brian, you're overstepping. But I mean, if you if it had been up to you, would you have wanted to go to the NIT? Uh, I think I I think I would. You know, just to, you know, have opportunities to play and uh, showcase a little bit more of my talent. You know, um, the NIT is is not. The current kind of standard, but you know, there's still some great teams in there. It would have been some great competition for me to showcase my, show my, showcase my game against uh an uh, all right stage. And you know. yeah, I would have played. You know, I'm not going to turn out playing basketball, buddy. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna ask you plainly when you when you heard this audio and you heard this quote from him, what? What did you think when you when you heard him talk about the decision for the team to not
1: play in the NIT? Uh I mean look it it, it was it was honestly it was honestly kind of confusing. So the part of the audio that you don't hear there because I went back and listened to this entire interview myself. And one thing to understand is that this this is not a one off. This is a this is something he's been doing the entire year. Um, he also has his own podcast that he does. So this is something that clearly he likes to do. He likes to get on and, and, and talk, um, kind of, you know, like we do. And I respect the hell out of that, of course. Um, so like my, my point there is he wasn't seeking this out as, oh, I'm going to go on air with Brian Hanks, who, uh, they've had a relationship actually later on in the interview, Brian, Um, asked him and says, hey, man, you know, we'd love to have you here for the rest of, the, you know, the next couple of weeks or whatever. And he said, yeah, that'd be great. So he just wants to get on there and talk basketball. Um, But what he said originally is Brian asked him about the, you know, how everything went down on Sunday night. And was that when the vote took place? And originally he says, yes, sir. He then goes in and explains a little bit about, um, you know, the ultimate decision and how, you know, him and some of the guys on the team are disappointed that it's over and everything like that. Normal stuff. Well, then he asks what you just heard right there. And he says in response to his question about whether it was a player decision or a coach's decision, he said it was a coach's decision. Now, it could be taken one of two ways. One is that he's basically saying they, the coaching staff, mainly Hubert Davis, made this decision. We did not have input. Uh, the other way to take it, and probably the way that he intended it, was we voted, but the coaching staff ultimately makes the decision, which is how it's going to work. The, the coaching staff and really the administration are the ones that are ultimately going to make that decision. So it was was odd because what it basically ended up sounding like in the end was that he was saying the coaches made the decision. Meanwhile, the coaching staff, or uh, really it was an initial report from inside Carolina, was saying that the decision was made by – not exclusively by the players, but that there was an anonymous vote. Um, Basically what they said was that players wrote down on a no card, yes or no, as to whether or not they wanted to play. And they went off of that. And it seemed like the majority, which somebody got on me for this earlier, when I say the majority, that means that it could literally be just over 50%. Like that's, That's what a majority is, is there has to be, and it makes sense. There's about, you know, there's 15 guys that'll be active. Um, There's probably a few more. I don't know who exactly all voted in this. Some people have said maybe it was just the seniors who made the decision. If that is the case, um, then that would be controversial. But from what we heard in the USA Today article that was released later in the evening, that's not the case. It seems like everybody was involved. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it was definitely, definitely strange. The other part of the comment that you heard there is then Hanks asked him about, you know, would he have wanted to play in the NIT tournament? Would he have been, basically been happy to play in the NIT tournament? And he says yes. And again, it's a it's a guy talking on radio. We we've all, you know, we we work on radio all the time. There are things that we say, and if we go back and listen to him later on, we'll say, huh, somebody could have taken that a little bit differently than exactly what we meant. Um, but he was talking in there about how this was a chance for him to showcase his game, for uh him to get a chance to get more playing time. It's it's about him. It wasn't about the team. And that's the concern that I have about a lot of the guys in this locker room right now. And a lot of people say, well, maybe that's just the modern player. Okay, that, that could be a fair thought. But to me, I, I think it's a valid concern about how many guys in this locker room are more me than us guys. And that includes some of the guys that were starters this past season.
0: Yeah. I, I'm going to tell you what, what these last two days have, have shown me. Um, it, it's, it's really brought to light just how disconnected this team, this team really was this year, mm-hmm. because there's just, there's just frankly too much coming out that shouldn't be coming out. And, and, um, I get it for Styles, where, yeah, it's a chance for him to showcase who he is and earn more playing time. But are you want to do that here, or are you want to do that somewhere else? And I, I think the biggest reason why... I think the biggest reason why they did go to the NIT, other than the fact that, yes, it was the right decision, was... In, in in all honesty, it was to protect these players. Because they had nothing to gain in that in that event. Even if you win the event, which at Carolina they would have they would have added to the banner that they were NIT champions, it doesn't salvage what you did during the regular season, which was fall short of every goal you had set before you.
1: Well, let, it, let, let me ask you a question. Because I know my answer on this. Do you really believe that team, with everything that we've seen these last few days, what we heard in the press conferences after Virginia, do you believe that that team was going and winning an NIT title? No. I don't either. And
0: and so with that, had they lost, the backlash they've gotten from fans and media the like would have been even were even higher than they were on Sunday when we watched a an hour TV special and didn't hear our names called um and not I don't whether that's right or wrong I don't know it's warranted when you're the program that we are when you have the expectations that we had and then you put the season on the floor that's you did and so, yeah, I think it's really, it's really confusing. And I think the thing is for him is why would why would any reserve player believe that they would have played more in the NIT? Like, how yeah. many times was it evident that the bench needed more minutes, and they never got more minutes? Well, was, I mean,
1: look at what he said. Look at what he said in his Hubert Davis live interview the other night about guys, you know, on the bench really, you know, needing, but basically he was he was saying these dudes need to practice harder because there's they're they're not showing enough in practice to get consistent playing time. Did you did you really think that all of a sudden that was going to change? I don't think so. Like I'm I'm not I'm not there. And you know, this is just me calling it how I see it from the outside and maybe I'm wrong and I hope I'm wrong. Hope I'm reading it wrong. There feels like with some of those guys on the bench, there might be a sense of entitlement of I'm here, I'm watching what the other guys are doing, I should get an opportunity as opposed to I'm here, I need to bust my tail to get on the court and you know, be able to help out this team and and take some of those minutes away when those guys are struggling. Now, I mean, do I think that it's all on, on the players? No, God, no. I think that Hubert does deserve some criticism, especially with how he handled, at a, you know, at a point during the season, Pete Nance, before, you know, he figured things out a little bit at the end. And, you know, especially at times with Caleb Love. There were times where you should have taken him out of the game, let R.J. Davis run your offense, and used either Seth Trimble or Demarco Dunn at your two guard spot, and coached him up a little bit. He deserves he deserves plenty of criticism for that, but yeah, it, it's it's just there there it's so weird because every time that we've seen to have. This sort of any sort of issue related to this in any way, it has. It's it's always felt like there is a pretty easy solution. There's somebody that steps up. There's you know there, there there whichever coach it is finds a way to motivate certain players. But right now, it's they're they're just there seems to be such a rift in that locker room that. It just feels like there's gonna have to be almost wholesale changes.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 kinda with you. I a a a roster overhaul, a staff overhaul, I don't think it's out of the question this offseason. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think we thought that was I mean, the roster was gonna overhaul itself, I think, one way or another this year had Carolina lived up to the hype or, or not, we were going to be looking at a, a a complete brand new set of players next year, but not coming off a year where you missed the NCAA tournament. And that's, that's the reality of the situation is that Carolina, uh, missed the tournament this year. And, you know, the last time a coach missed back-to-back tournaments, he didn't come back for a fourth year. So, um, Take that for what it's worth. Again, we're not in the business of firing Huber Davis, but that's just the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. Another thing that kind of came out of of Styles' interview on the Byron Hank show is, of course, his future. And whether or not he would be back in Chapel Hill for a junior season. Something that I know I want. I want him back with this team next year. I would imagine that you still feel the same way. Um, if you love playing the waiting game with college kids and their decision making that's what we're here for because he said that he would have a decision made by next Tuesday you listen to the whole interview um when you listen to Dontre Styles talk about his future does that future uh have him in chapel hill playing for carolina or do you see him going somewhere else
1: yeah I, I I don't I gotta tell you I'm not really all that confident the way that he he talked um basically said that you know he, he's taking some time away you know which makes sense he's he's down in Orlando right now uh probably you know just clearing his head and uh, he said he's talking to his family and uh they're they're gonna you know eventually come to a decision I uh, this is this is one by the way too. That when you talk about the bench minutes, this is one that kind of leaves you scratching your head. And I don't know, maybe he was a guy that just would, would show it in games, but wouldn't show it in practice. I don't know, but it would make sense if he's not happy with his playing time, especially because you're talking about the struggles of Pete Nance in front of him the in and out of the lineup for Puff Johnson in front of him. And at times even inconsistencies from Puff Johnson. And we saw him just, you know, almost every time that he played in a game, he did something that we really liked early in the season, a lot on the defensive end, did a really good job on the glass. And then late in the season, we started to see him sort of settle into a little bit of an offensive rhythm. I'd love to have him back because I think there's a lot of versatility there. I think if he can get into a rhythm on the offensive end of the floor, he's a guy that can play the four for you, but could probably also play a little bit of three if he can show that he can stretch the floor. So, I mean, yeah, I think at this point, everybody should want him back. but. The ultimate thing is, is that we're not around the program every single day. We don't know what the attitude is as well. That's the biggest thing that they have to get figured out with this team and the guys that were a part of this team this year is they have to figure out if there really are. And it seems like at this point that there are guys that just don't fit what Carolina wants. What they need in that locker room. They have to figure out who those guys are, and they have to, you know, help them find where they want to go in the transfer portal. I don't know if he is one of those guys. So ultimately, that's what Hubert Davis has to determine. You know, we're we're gonna talk about you know a couple transfers that are coming in here. And in the article that I wrote earlier tonight, I said, look, Hubert's ultimately got to figure out is this somebody that we think can help us and can be an integral part of a rebuild because that's where Carolina is. Well, they got to do the same thing with guys that are currently on their roster. Um I know it's tough and I know it's, you know typically not the Carolina way, and I don't think you know they're they're just outright going to tell somebody you have to leave. but I mean, there's probably some guys that are on the fence about it that you know and it's probably for good reason. And I think some of those guys, you may see that it's more of a mutual parting of ways. It'll never officially be released like that, but it'll be more of a mutual parting of ways between the two sides. So I don't know. I I, I think we're going to find out I, if I had to if I had to bet, if I was a betting man, I would say that we will learn. Um, when uh, when Brian Hanks learns, because I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's where he's gonna reveal his decision is on that show. Um, but yeah, we'll 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 have to wait and see, and that'll be an interesting one to monitor with uh, along with a couple other guys on, on the roster here. I mean, I think the better question at this point, who is who is actually 100 coming back for this team, like. Do we know? Like, I think we feel pretty confident about RJ and Armando. They haven't made it official yet. Outside of them, I've seen every other player on the roster be linked to possibly transferring. So it is just, I mean, are all these guys going to have to release something to confirm that they're coming back? Is Hubert going to have to address it in a press conference? This is truly one of the most mind-blowing things to witness, and we, we, you know, part of it is because of the transfer portal, but the other part of it is just the situation that Carolina is in, which is unlike anything I think anybody else in the country has had to deal with, maybe in the history of college basketball.
0: Yeah, you know, when I when I look at Styles, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think. I think mean, you could see why he wouldn't be back here next year. Um, and maybe this is just a man crush I have on him. Mm. I think he's back because if, if Carolina loses him, um, I don't know how many wing players they're going to have next year unless you just go wing exclusive in the transfer portal because you you're losing Bleaky McCoy and Nickel transferred like there's just really
1: oh you're gonna have to order a seat, a, a six piece wing from the transfer portal
0: like there's just really nothing there and, and I I'm still naive enough to believe that that Kinston stuff matters to guys. And you know he, he even talked about it um, where a lot of guys in his situation they would have transferred and they they would have taken the easy way out. Okay, well you've you've stuck through it, you've stayed, you've you've sat on the bench. So now that you've done it, you might as well, you know, reap the rewards of this. And I and I and I truly believe he can be a really good player. You know, I was talking to my little brother today, and he was just like, "I don't get what you see in him. If he leaves, it's not really that big of a loss." And I, like, I, I, I can't come to that thinking. Like, I watched a kid make a massive shot in, in in an overtime game in the in the in the NCAA tournament after Carolina had blown a twenty five point lead. Like, how many freshmen in that situation? has the confidence and are tough enough to make that shot. And I know his minutes were spared down the stretch last year, but it was him and Puff Johnson coming off the bench and nobody else. And that's not us exaggerating. That's just the facts. They were the only two dudes that saw minutes as reserves. Once Hubert Davis went to the iron five model. So, you know, this year I, I, I was frustrated and was very confused by his lack of playing time. But I'm not at practice. But as I also have a hard time just watching a guy, every time I see him on the court, contribute to the game in a positive manner and it not be consistently. So I'm going to opt for, or or I'm going to choose to say that he'll be back next year. But... It's, you know, I, I'm saying that like when I'm swiping right on Instagram. There's whole there's not a whole lot of confidence that he will be back in a Carolina uniform for his junior season. Let's now move on to another piece of news um, that had the whole fan base in an uproar yesterday. And that was that lovely USA Today article where a lot of, a lot of things were quoted by a lot of different people, uh, mainly players' parents. Um, Caleb Love, DeMarco Dunn, um, even Puff Johnson's dad, all had things to say about Carolina not playing in the, not, not playing in the NIT. And for Puff's dad, uh, he said, quote, I think it should have been coach's decision, not the kid's decision. They should have played in the NIT, win or lose. They needed that experience. DeMarco Dunn, was uh, his father, was, was quoted as saying, I thought it would have been best to give the players more time to play more minutes. And then Caleb Love's dad said, the competitor in me said, let's go play, let's go win. But I can see where maybe coach looked at it and said, if we play and we lose, then it's more hurt feelings because we didn't get we didn't live up to the expectations. And then our guy, the SID of uh, uh, Steve Kirshner, was also in the article, um, and his, his quote was: "Players, coaches, and staff all had input into the decision that Coach Davis and Athletic Director Bubba Cunningham ultimately made." So when you you look at all of those, I mean, you have four different people weighing in on this subject matter. What do you what do you take away from players' parents having a say or having criticism about the decision to not play in the NIT?
1: Well so um what, what I was you know at work today talking to uh one of our guys that's that's on the air with us and he said that he has you know people in the Toriel community and there are some um, that said, apparently it was a Wake Forest game. Um, there were there were a lot of parents in the section during that game uh, that were apparently very unhappy. That was just the quote. I don't know if that means unhappy with each other, unhappy with the coaching staff. No idea. Um, I think Caleb Caleb loves dad. I think laid it out about as well as you can understand the situation. Um, It feels like there are a lot of people that just have their mindset in one direction on what they want this team to do. And they thought that the team should have played. And look, you're, you're welcome to your opinion, but I think he kind of showed you what the thinking, what what, what the thinking of Hubert Davis is now. I will say that, you know, what Puff Johnson's dad said is probably something that you would hope Huber can build up to as a guy that is ultimately going to make the decision. Um, Matt Doherty, who, you know, former Tar Heel player and, of course, Tar Heel coach, um, he was on WFNZ, the station that we work for in Charlotte earlier today, and he said that it's up to, it should be up to huber because you are the leader of the program you are you you need to show that you are a leader and i understand that my thing is is that i just feel like it's really really hard nowadays i said this the other night when we were talking on, on here on the podcast i there we've done so many episodes here recently i don't even remember which one it actually was but he He entered coaching as a first-time head coach at probably the worst possible time that you can enter as a first-time head coach. And look, I'm not saying that players should not be getting compensated with NIL. They should have been doing that all along. Um, You can debate whether or not things are getting out of hand, if it needs to be regulated, whatever. That's a whole different topic. But having to deal with that, having to deal with the transfer portal and how easy it is to get into the transfer portal and how quickly guys are really bolting for it. It's a, it is a much, much different landscape than it was when, you know, especially for Coach Doherty, when he was a player, he mentioned about wanting to put the jersey on and um, you know, crying when he had to take the jersey off. And yeah, look, there, there are there are still plenty of those types of players out there. There are still guys that care, um, er, you know, every time that they put that jersey on, they're playing for the name on the front. And when it is over, they're going to be devastated. Um, you know, the one that comes to mind most recently is Joel Berry. Um, and he still talks that way, even to this day. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm I not saying that it's every kid, but I definitely think that nowadays you're dealing with a different type of player. You're dealing with, you know, a group of guys that nowadays, if things, you know, if, if you don't get the playing time that you want right out of the gate, um, you may go to the transfer portal. And part of it is because it's not just you and your family making decisions now. There are agents that are involved in this that are saying, hey man, you can go make more NI on money here. I've got so-and-so who says that they will give you however much money to play here, and you could get more playing time. Um, you know, there, there's there's other people that seem to be involved in a lot of this stuff, AAU coaches, all those types of things. It's a completely different landscape. So, what I think Hubert was trying to do, I think ultimately. Hubert was trying to do the right thing by asking the players, trying to give them a voice and saying, look, I want to hear your opinions. I don't want to just be the dictator that tells you this is what you do. If you don't like it, uh, then get off my team or whatever. Where I think a lot of people want that mindset. They want that old school type of mentality. So, you know, I, I, I see, I, I really do see both sides of it, but I think ultimately, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's probably the right decision, even though I, I get the argument that Huff's dad w- was making same thing with DeMarco Dunn's dad. Cause I said that when we were talking, um, you know, as we, you know, after we found out that the team wasn't going to the NCAA tournament and we were talking about whether or not we would have accepted the bid. And I said, I think you, you could have, citing more playing time. But when you start to think more and more about it, I think there was just way too much that could go wrong. And, I mean, you said, dude, th- these guys have been unbelievably criticized. I mean, look at... And this is the thing, man. We've all been critical of of Caleb Love. We've said things on on this podcast, you know, this season about his struggles. But there are some people that really have taken things way too far. And it's gotten to the point where this dude has literally deleted his Twitter. Now, to be honest with you, um, good for you, Caleb, because I'm going to be honest. I wish there were times I could delete myself off of that damn app. And he's taken down his pictures on Instagram outside of really his NIL deals. It is, I could not imagine being a college athlete or really just an athlete in general during this time where everybody has a forum to make a comment about you. And, you know, it's, I I only think it could have gotten worse for him, Um for other guys on this team that you know people have been coming after um, for you know, not only just this year, but years in general. If you go with Leaky Black, there are people that have been coming after him for years on end. They don't give him any credit for anything that's done. And so I think ultimately this was just a team that was over all of that and they are ready to put this season, this chapter – of their lives for some behind them and move on to the next one. And, you know, for Carolina, it also pays off because you get to go out and get an early start on trying to rebuild this thing.
0: I'm not, I'm not going to lie that those quotes chap my rear end more than just about anything else, more than, more than anything Dontre Stiles said. Um because i'm going to be brutally honest their opinions don't matter they don't they're 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 the father of their kids and that's what they are and if they're if they're not going to be supportive then maybe these conversations that are going to be are going to be had over the next week or so they're going to be a lot tougher um because that's the second you allow voices that aren't in the locker room to have a presence, it's, 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 it's really hard to bounce back, bounce back from that. Um, and if, if what was said about the, what was being relayed at the Wake Forest game, if that's, if that's even true, then that makes this conversation all the, all the easier because, you can be frustrated and you can be unhappy, but you can also do it quietly and not become, not become a distraction um, to, to the player. And, you know, some of the Huber talked about a lot as the season just never really found a groove was that when he talked to his team and there's 18 kids in the locker room, well, he was talking about 40 or 50. Because he knew whenever they left the locker room, so many people had so many different things to say. And it it, it really comes back to making sure you've got guys that are bought in to, to who you are, your vision, your voice, and then ultimately ultimately the program. And you know, I think it's I think it's fair to say that there are guys you know, that that aren't Carolina guys. That's why we've seen them leave the program over, over the years. Um, as hard as it is to see that, that those types of things happen, but that's just the reality of the situation. But, you know, I talked about it when we were talking about Dontre Stiles, how that showed the disconnect. This shows the dysfunction that exists within the program today. And it's something that can be cleaned up, it's not something that you know could might that, that, that'll last for his entire tenure but this is something where as Sheeber Davis matures as a head coach, this is one of those where you put the foot down and this is as much as this is a player's program there's a there's still an authority figure that runs it and that authority figure today is Sheebert Davis. And I know he loves to be a nice guy and he likes to just smile and and be an encourager and all that great stuff. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, in, in a time like this where you have people talking that don't need to be talking, they need to be put in their place. And whether that's via asking your kid to to leave the portal or leave the program via the portal or just reassess who he is and his standing within the program, um, something has to happen. Because if not, these are the types of things these this is kind of the same stuff that really failed Matt Doherty in a lot of different ways. As as much as Matt Doherty did a lot of things wrong individually, and as long and, and as much as he was put in a position to fail, the the outside stuff from this players and their families were you know they were confronting him in parking lots and threatened to have his their kids transfer and all this other stuff. That stuff failed him just as much as the other stuff did. And I don't, I don't want to see this fail, um, because Schubert Davis is one of us. He he has become the the very thing that that Coach Smith envisioned when he set the program up to have a, a former player of his coach the team. Like he's, he's one of the rare guys. I mean, we know that Stackhouse is in coaching and stuff like that, but he's the rare guy that's in coaching. That is a connection to coach Smith that has a connection to coach Williams that can coach this program and lead this program the way we want it to be led, which is winning ACC and national championships. And so, You know, this is well.
1: Here's the other thing. It's also on his on the other guys on his staff too. Like, look, we've always kind of known this about Hubert that Hubert is not the hard ass. Hubert is not the dude that's going to curse you out. But there's other guys on this staff that need to be that that authority figure to help him out, and it doesn't seem like that is happening. I mean, there are a lot of guys on that bench that kind of just sit there quietly, or when they are, when when you do watch them, you honestly wonder to yourself, are they coaching or are they just yelling? You, it's it's on his staff to help him out too, and that's why I think the the conversation about shaking up the staff is is not crazy. People may be saying, well, it's only two years in and they just made a run last year. Yeah, but this is one of those situations where you've got to get that veteran authority figure in there. And we thought that was going to be Jeff Lebo, and and I I still think he's a guy that could be part of the staff. We've talked about it really over these last few weeks, but we we had said it a while back, too. This staff lacks a Steve Robinson, and that is what is really killing this team right now.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't agree with that. And if you look at where Arizona is, where, you know, they're a, they're a two seed um, and a trendy pick to make another deep run in the NCAA tournament. You know, I don't think it's by accident with, with him on that staff with a second-year here, a second year head coach, just like Hubert Davis is, and Tommy Lloyd. So with that, guys, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we talked about it at the beginning of the show, Carolina's got two transfers that they've already expressed interest with. We'll tell you who those two guys are and more. That's all coming up next on this edition of the Four Corners podcast. Back after this message from DraftKings. Ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is officially here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no sweat bet during round one and round two of the tournament. Go to the... DraftKings Sportsbook app now opt in and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. So whether you want to bet on the upsets, the 215s, the 314s, the the 512s, or you just want to go all chalk, you can do all that with the no-sweat bet feature at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly with that promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are taking full advantage of all the great offers we've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for the Heel Tough Vlog podcast as well. Well, we mentioned it at the start and before we went to break that um, with Carolina not going into the NIT, that allowed them to get a head start on the transfer portal, which officially became live on Monday. And you saw over 1,700 guys enter the portal in the first day or, or something like that. And today,
1: Carolina
0: um, reached out to two different transfer targets. I'm going to let Anthony tell you about the first guy that Carolina reached out to earlier, uh, earlier today, Anthony, take it away.
1: Yeah, this is uh, Nick Timberlake out of Towson uh, played in one of the best mid-major conferences this past season. and I know people immediately probably gasping right now saying, Oh my God, mid-major. And look, I know that Christian Keeling, Justin Pierce have a lot of people left scarred, but this is a dude that is pretty productive. He is now back-to-back first team, all colonial athletic conference and or colonial athletic association, excuse me. Um, and and it's in it, as I mentioned, it's been a few years now. It's been a really really good conference, so that's that's a pretty good accomplishment. Um, he's led that team to um, a lot of success, has gotten them as close to the NCAA tournament as they have been in a long long time. One of the guys that I work with on my morning show went to school there. He is known to have a long standing curse. That team has not made the tournament since 1991, the year before he. Got to school there Um, and really they hadn't been close in a very, very long time in the last two seasons. They have been And a big part of that is because of Timberlake. He's a guy that uh, shoots the ball extremely well. He would be uh, a big addition for this team on the perimeter Uh, this, this year, Uh, 17.7 points per game, uh, led the team third in the conference, uh, shot 45% overall from the field, which was the highest of his career. Same thing from beyond the arc where he shot 41.6%. And look, this is a guy that was a high volume shooter from beyond the arc. Uh, Each of the last two years, he's taken uh, either, you know, over 192 shots from beyond the arc and has knocked down uh, those shots at a 40% or higher clip. And the thing that's really interesting about him is that every single year that he has been at Towson, he has improved in just about every major area. I mean points per game he has improved in every single year that he's been on campus. Um, he's you know his field goal percentage has gone up every single year. Uh, the three point percentage very similar. Um, You know, when he he did become a starter full time in 2020, 2021, um, you know, those numbers did dip just a slight bit from the year before. But for the most part, it's really been a steady, steady growth for him uh, to lead him into being one of the better players uh, at the mid-major level. And, uh, you know, the other thing about him is, is that this year he actually led the Colonial Athletic Association, in free throw percentage. He knocked down uh, 84.5% of his free throws. He took 116 free throw attempts. So not overly aggressive like some of the guys, but I think if you put him in this Carolina system with R.J. Davis, who returns, who has shown he can be aggressive attacking the rack, it, it could work out pretty well. For him and you know look that free throw percentage that's been there his entire career uh he he shoots it at 79.2 percent which is you know an area where carolina's had some inconsistency but this is a guy that will fit what carolina needs they need perimeter shooting and i know that you know that step up from the mid-major level is a little bit of a concern my thing is is that like I was saying earlier, with Dontre Styles and some of the other guys on this roster, Huber Davis really needs to sit down and evaluate: Is this a guy that he feels like can be a major help for this team? If you can, if if he can, then you have to pursue it. You cannot let the fact that he is a mid-major guy. I, I've I've seen people, plenty of people, since I put the article up that have said can't take him. He's a mid-major guy. That's not the way that you should be looking at this. If there are certain guys that enter the portal and you feel like they fit what you do, it should not matter where they come from. I know there's going to be a learning curve, but to me, that shouldn't completely take a guy off of the table. It should just make you look a little bit harder to see, is this really a perfect fit in our mind for what we want to do?
0: And then my guy is another mid-major transfer. It is Paxson Wojcik. Uh, He comes from Brown, a guy that Carolina saw up close a year ago when Brown nearly upset Carolina uh, on a sleepy Friday night in Chapel Hill. Um, This past season for Brown, he played in all 27 games, started all 27 games. Averaged 14.9 points, 7.2 rebounds, 3.2 assists, while shooting 46% from the field and 38% from three. For his career, he's played 99 games, averaging 7.7 points, 3.3 rebounds, one and a half assists, while a lifetime career shooting 45% from the field, 36% from three. The thing about Paxson is – um. He will be a three-time transfer, or this, this would be his second time transferring, um, and this would be his third stop as he originally played two years at Loyola, Chicago, um, playing in 45 uh, games between the two years um, with the Ramblers before transferring to Brown, where he has started the last 54 games that he he's played in college. So he's one of those guys that has that fifth year of eligibility uh, that he's going to use to his advantage. Um, And a guy that has a lot of experience, can do a lot of different things, both as a scorer, His rebounding numbers, I think, as a starter are really impressive. And then his ability to distribute the ball. You hear that last name and and you probably go, oh, that, that name sounds familiar. Well, it should. His father, Doug, was a former assistant in Chapel Hill back when Coach Doherty was on the staff. And um, he was a big part of recruiting a lot of talent to Chapel Hill. He was the one of the lead recruiters for Jawad Williams, Sean May, Raymond Felton, and then even a name that we don't really bring up on the podcast, but Rashad McCants. And so...
1: Who was that? There is,
0: there is a tie... To Chapel Hill. And and I do think this is going to play a role. Um, You know, Hubert has talked a lot about wanting guys to to understand the importance of playing here and what it means. Now, I was in the the room when Matt Doherty was on the station we work at. And I listened to him talk about how hard it was taking off that jersey for the final time. And that stuff's real, man. Like, I, I know this is, this is a different time in college athletics, but I still think, like, the Carolina basketball brand is like what Notre Dame is in football. Like, to put on that uniform man, it means something. And when you take it off for the final time, it should move you to the point of tears. And so for a kid who his family has ties here, um, to the program at least, he probably grew up at one point wanting to play, uh, be a Tar heel and play at Carolina. If this is something that the staff really, really does go after and considers going after him, then even though we played at the mid-major or at a mid-major, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be too concerned about it. And another reason why you shouldn't. Um, Kansas has already reached out. That's a team that's a number one seed in the tournament defending national champion. Notre Dame has already reached out. He's at an in-home visit tonight with Thad Mata and Butler. So when you got the likes of Bill Self and Thad Mata coming after you, I, I, I think that eases concerns about him. But overall, like when you look at it and I'm with you, I've seen the comments as well with, the transfer portal stuff that Carolina is going into and the guys right now are um, they're from mid majors. Yes, there is a reason to be concerned because we saw what happened with Justin Pierce. We saw what happened with, with Christian Keeling. It didn't work out, but that was, that was at the really the, the height of the transfer portal really becoming, what it is now where it's it was still pretty uncommon for Carolina to be involved with transfers now it's not going to be uncommon like this is going to be an every year thing where Carolina will go into the portal and find a couple of guys and so um, I don't want to go get just exclusively mid-major guys but with these two players in particular if if Carolina were to add them and you know, Caleb Love were to leave, and then you've got all this experience in the backcourt, along with you know, hopefully a Seth Trimble and a DeMarco Dunn back on this roster next year. I think we feel a lot better about the backcourt going into next year than we probably do, we probably do right now. Um, I, and and so I think the thing is, is you got to find the right mix mm-hmm. if you get one or two mid-major guys, but then you go to the power five level, the power six level to get your, a wing or two. And we don't want to maybe add through the, with, with recruiting, whether it's having someone reclassify or the like, then I don't think, I don't think Carolina fans are going to be, are going to be upset about that. Now, if you just go exclusively mid-major with the amount of talent um, that is going to exist in the portal, then maybe we'll come back on here and throw up some red flags and tell you why it's okay to be concerned, but you know, for this to be the start of the process of identifying guys through the portal, I'm not. I, I'm not upset by it, um, and this is why. At the end of the day, not going to the NIT was the right decision.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I look the the thing. The thing about this is, like, there's clearly. A uh, uh, something that they're focusing on here. Both of these guys are guards. I will say this. I, I will say that with with uh, with Wojcik, he he's a guy that I mean, he I mean, seven point two rebounds per game is a six four guard. I mean, that's 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 so I I blew out my ACL. I mean, that's that is crazy. Like it, it, at any level of major college basketball, that is pretty crazy. So um I, th- I mean I, I think you got to give him a lot of credit but it looks like what Carolina is focusing on is trying to find a guard maybe he's a dude that you could play on the wing because of how well he rebounds but he's only six four so uh it, it's clear they want guys that can shoot the basketball but it's it's odd you gotta have patience but with the way that the transfer window is working here, this is going to be really, really strange because yeah, these guys are, are, are guys that you want to take a serious look at, but at the same time, you don't want to rush to decisions on these guys because they are mid majors. And because they are guys that, you know, you don't know if there were going to be players that you would want to take over them. That would be better fits for you that could enter within the next couple of weeks. Like, this is this is very weird and we saw it we saw it with football as well where they had the transfer portal open before they played the postseason, but it's much different in football. It's only one game that you're missing out on where a lot of the guys that are currently on tournament teams, you are not going to see them enter the transfer portal. As a matter of fact, I don't think I have seen a single player from a team that is in the NCAA tournament, enter the transfer portal. So you're going to have to wait. It's about being somewhat patient, but at the same time, you don't want to be too patient that you let some of these guys get away. Because as you mentioned with uh, Wojcik, he he has an in-home interview uh, or or in-home visit tonight with Butler. Same thing with Timberlake. They're having an in-home visit with him as well. Xavier is actually doing a Zoom uh, meeting with him tomorrow um, before their, their first round tournament game on Friday. So it is a very weird time to be, you know, in college athletics because the way that you're having to recruit while you're still basically preparing for some schools for the postseason, that's why this may ultimately be what Carolina needs is a little bit of time for Huber Davis and his staff to be able to focus on rebuilding this roster, because I think there is a concern that they could lose a ton of guys to the transfer portal. At least there's the uncertainty. And, you know, they feel like getting a head start there, being able to go to some of these in-home visits instead of having to coach in games and do all that stuff probably benefits the program moving forward a little bit more. So uh it'll be interesting to see how they sort of balance these things out and don't jump the gun, but also, if there's a guy that you really like, don't let that player get away. Yeah,
0: and that's that's gonna be the that's gonna be the challenge the next couple of couple of, of weeks, maybe the next couple of months. And uh, again, this is why not going to play in a meaningless postseason tournament like the NIT was the right decision because it just allows you to figure out and identify guys that you want now and then wait for the guys that that will enter the portal after they're done playing in the tournament, which, I mean, you got to think, after this weekend there will only be 16 teams left. So there will be another wave of, you know, power five players that will no longer be playing at the current school that they're playing for today. And so uh, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website healtoughblog.com. It's just booming with a lot of news coming out on the Carolina basketball side of things. We broke down both of these transfer targets that Carolina uh, reached out to today. We've got articles up about uh, the Dontre Style situation. And then the article about what was said from the parents' perspective about not going to the NIT, a breakdown of McCoy and Tyler Nickel going to the transfer portal. All that and so much more. You can find that. That's HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform. Simply search the Four Corners podcast where we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. We'll be here all season talking Carolina or all offseason talking Carolina basketball. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the spring and summer. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.
1: get any sweeter than that